I'm Alex Marlowe, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. On today's show, we begin with a breakdown of the acquittal of Clinton attorney and Russia hoaxer Michael Sussman. Lying to the FBI is apparently not a big deal all of a sudden. This is news that is probably not surprising to a lot of you, though definitely disappointing as we are moving towards two forms of justice in this country if we're not already there. The Democrats are pushing a slate of gun controls, and none of which would have stopped the Evaldi massacre, but this doesn't matter to anyone in the media or the Democrat Party, and I give you what they are. As usual, there's a horrifying slate of economic news to be reported and enduring supply chain issues in the Biden White House basically coming clean that they screwed this one up and the economy is not in good shape and most importantly, perhaps, no sense of a bounce back anytime soon. Biden is sending some high-powered weaponry to Ukraine. Is this an escalation that could bring us closer to hot war with nuclear Russia? Uh, Only time will tell. And has become the recent tradition. I give a slate of woke stories across the country, which includes audio of male swimmer Leah Thomas, who is a big cheater and beats women in competition. And he spoke to Good Morning America. And you'll want to hear it. Trust me. Our guest today is Amanda Milius. She is the producer and director of The Plot Against the President. So she is an expert in all things Sussman and Durham. So we get her take on that. And also comes from a gun family. Uh, John Milius, her dad, famous director and Hollywood writer, is a noted gun enthusiast. So I get her thoughts on the war on the Second Amendment, which is what we're seeing right now play out. And then finally, her take on Top Gun. Let's get into it. begin today with a not good news, which is my, the Michael Sussman was acquitted. This trial revealed the Clintons' role in the Russia collusion hoax. Joel Pollack writes for us at Breitbart that campaign lawyer for Hillary Clinton, Michael Sussman, was acquitted of lying to the FBI when he fed it false information about supposed collusion between then-candidate Donald Trump. And uh, Russia, during the 2016 campaign, Sussman gave the FBI data that had been produced by researchers working with the campaign that purported to link Trump to Russia via Alpha Bank. The accusation was soon found to be groundless, but was part of the overall Russian collusion conspiracy theory that the Clinton campaign used to smear Trump during the campaign and after his victory. Sussman was accused of presenting himself to the FBI as a concerned citizen when he worked for Clinton and the jury included up to three Hillary Clinton donors and the Obama appointed judge, narrowly limited prosecutors evidence. And I spoke to several people about this on the show and I think I may have been a little bit um, uh, dismissive of how big of a deal it is that there were three Clinton donors because it was in a court in which was the favorable to the Hillary Clinton voters just because of the nature of where it, it took place um, because it took place in D.C. And so there's lots of Clinton donors in D.C. It's going to hard, be hard to fill a jury pool in a one-party town. But it was something that was an outrage to me, but people kept telling me there's nothing really we can do, so why should we be outraged? Uh, but it is a officially an outrage now 
Byron York of the Washington Examiner has generally a pretty good writes that there's no doubt Sussman lied to the FBI. There's no doubt he is guilty, but the trial is taking place in Washington, perhaps the deepest blue jury pool in the United States. Durham's prosecutors are facing a jury that is three Clinton donors, is an AOC donor, and a woman whose daughter is on the same sports team as Sussman's daughter. Great. Jonathan Turley out of that last detail. So there's a couple revelations here, York writes, that elements around the Clinton campaign sought to weaponize the FBI, and the FBI welcomed the effort, good call, and in the name of defeating a Republican nominee for president. Um, so pretty amazing. I, I will tell you that when I'm uh, prepping the show, I, those of you listening towards the end, you hear that over the last few months I've been giving credit to Robert Marlowe, who's my uh, real-life father who is our night editor, Breitbart, and he sends me what he thinks are the most interesting items of the day. Um, a lot of those are, I choose in the monologue, a portion of the show. And he rarely writes notes. He mostly just suggests stuff to me and just suggests links at Breitbart that he thinks he would, uh, I should mention and or might have an interesting take on. And uh, he did have one note. He sent me about 15 ideas yesterday, and he sent me one note, and it was on this story, and his caption was, you were right. And he said you were right because unlike a lot of conservative media, I've been a, a huge skeptic of what's going on to the investigations into the Clintons. And I've been this way ever since Benghazi. And this goes back to uh, Benghazi when it was so clear to me having gotten so deep in the weeds in that story and seeing the extent to which Hillary, Hillary Clinton had screwed up. And which I don't, I still don't think is fully known to the public the extent to which her screw ups uh, take place. And they're not just things that happened that night. There are things that happened in, in the, the days before the Benghazi attack. Um, but it is things that went back with, in terms of the entire structure for State Department. And decisions to hire contractors who were unequipped to handle a situation like that and to uh, cripple America's ability to uh, use our own military might to defend our most vulnerable embassies and consulates and diplomatic missions. And then she got away with it. She not only did she get away with it, she probably scored political points when she bench pressed the Republicans in that hearing. Um, the the that was uh, that I think probably put her in the driver's seat to become president. Wish I had all the dates handy, but uh, I, I I I didn't make that connection prior to making the connection right now. Um, but I realized that there is two systems of justice in the country at that moment and that she's not going to be held accountable. That's not going to be a, as much as we love it. And we love when Trump said that she, she could be in jail and it was great showmanship. Uh, no one ever believed it was true. And now we're here, which is unfortunate. And it seems like the main takeaways uh, are, uh, were encapsulated in a statement from Cash Patel, friend of the show, who called the DOJ to move the Russia hoax trials out of DC. He had a pretty strong statement that he sent to us right away yesterday uh, after the verdict came down. I was the last man who had any faith in, in D.C. and the Department of Justice is now completely gone. The D.C. tainted jury pool showed its political stripes and barely deliberated. Having jury members on a case of this caliber that have donated to such high-profile Democrats, including Hillary and AOC, is beyond unethical. Yet they're still responsible for making a decision that looks at the evidence. They violated the law. They violated the oath they took 
to sit on the jury. The lie was shown to them in black and white and the evidence was indisputable. There was a case that should have been a lock for the prosecution as the evidence showed completely clear links with trails of data that linked Sussman to Hillary Clinton campaign, including billing the hard drive to the campaign. The DOJ needs to move these cases out of DC. It is 100% impossible to have a fair trial in the city. I'm appalled at the verdict and appalled at our justice system. Hard to disagree. Hard to disagree. The jury's attitude was that the lying to the FBI was not a big deal. This is interesting because remember that uh, Michael Flynn, who was the, the who was essentially targeted specifically for lying to the FBI when he was coerced into lying to the FBI, and that was treated as the biggest sin of all time. I was even critical of it on the show, though in general I'm a supporter of General Flynn. I was at least mildly critical of it. And then now the judge's attitude and the jury's attitude was all that lying was not the biggest deal ever. This is one that does make you lose faith in a lot of stuff that's going on, in particular the high-profile prosecution undertaken by John H. Durham. This is probably the most high-profile one of them all. He's investigating the origin of the Russian collusion hoax, and for a long time, I suggested on the broadcast that Durham is is not going to come and save the day. And a lot of people in conservative media have hyped the Durham stuff for years. I was hoping we get something before the 2020 election. We never did. But a lot of people I trust, people I like, people I have on the show regularly have been bullish on Durham, that he is doing something very methodical. And he is uh, going to end up delivering the goods. But that's not where we're at now. The, this was the big one. For this one to slip away suggests that this is uh, potentially uh, a sign that, that this could be this could be the beginning of the end of a lot of uh, of a lot of accountability in this in this case. So the Clintons definitely have a separate set of laws. Durham is not done yet, but the media will probably be able to ignore a lot of the stuff now. Not to say they weren't cover were covering that robustly before. And the DOJ is still gearing up to target Trump and a lot of people over January the 6th, etc. So that's what the DOJ is up to. Unfortunate. Very, very, very unfortunate. I'll, I'll go back to saying where's Durham for a while, I guess. I don't, know, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. They'd say our system of justice let us down. One juror who acquitted Sussman, there are bigger things than lying to the FBI. Got that quote out nearly right away. I don't think it should have been prosecuted, one juror reportedly said, according to the Washington Times, there are bigger things that affect the nation than a possible lie to the FBI. Kind of flippant for someone who's on the jury, deciding this big stuff. But it looked like Durham proved in the trial that Sussman was guilty and didn't make difference. All right, um, continuing on, other things going on, gun control debate raging, Democrats are going to vote on six gun controls, and none of them would have prevented the Evaldi massacre. 
So I'm finding this increasingly cynical because they're calling the Packers the Protecting Our Kids Act. And the background checks are on ghost guns, not used here. Gun storage requirements for homes with minors present, not applicable here, nor is that going to be realistic to enforce at all. How are they going to enforce a gun storage requirement in your home if you have minors? Like, are, are they going to, is there going to be a federally appointed inspector that is going to come into my home? Additional penalties for gun trafficking and straw purchases. Again, not applicable here. A bump stock ban, not applicable. And the requirement that existing bump stocks be registered under the auspices of the National Firearms Act. Ridiculous. Protecting Our Kids Act, unrelated non sequitur. This is my point about the grandstanding that takes place on the left after these issues. Because after these massacres take place, the left's move is not to even address what were the fundamental problems that led up to the massacre. Their issue is to get on their anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment talking points and agenda and go from there. That's what they're doing. So Joe Biden wants gun control, needless to say, and he does not support hardening our school security systems. So there's no talk of the one thing that might help, which is armed good guys in the school. I have not heard, seen anything else that, that could potentially help here. Unless, of course, you want to get Second Amendment repealed and uh, go figure out a way to gather up the hundreds of millions of guns in the country. And um, good luck with that. Not going to happen. So once you accept that's not going to happen and you're an adult about it, then you realize the best thing we can do is harden the school security. But that's not being discussed. Instead, what's discussed is whether or not you have a minor in the home, the federal government is going to enforce storage requirements and ghost guns. They also want more background checks. AWR Hawkins knows threats of Breitbart News. The Evalde shooter passed background checks. So why does the left think more background checks would, like, would have stopped him? They don't. They want national gun registry. They want you on a list. Who are the bad guys and what they got? And the bad guys are not the bad guy bad guys. The bad guys are law-abiding law Americans who register their guns. And John Nolte's been pointing out this is, is the same news cycle every time. The news cycle is everyone gets very emotional. Um, tensions run high. You get a lot of grandstanding from the beta works of the world. And then eventually people realize that the solution is not going to be taking guns away from law-abiding Americans. Nor could you even do that necessarily because of a little thing called the Second Amendment. And then we're back to square one. And our kids are just as vulnerable. And I'm not saying that it's there are automatic solutions, but it does seem like there is one that could work that there, we were told there was a good guy with a gun, supposed to be the school, and there, that didn't happen. And the media is not helpful here. A big report yesterday that the Uvalde law enforcement is not cooperating in the investigation. Turned out to be false, according to our reporting by Britain News. Doesn't matter. Media will hype it. Because they don't like the cops either. And cops bad, guns bad. And I will say as caveat, there's no doubt that we're not we're going to find that law enforcement made big mistakes here. I'm not doubting that. But very quick, everyone just act like they're they had a very easy job with easy calls to do, 
an easy job to do with easy calls to make, and they just mess them all up because they're cowards or something. Uh, I, I have yet to see that one uh, become clear. Not to say it might not, but it's not clear yet. Doesn't matter. Media's all over it. Don't like cops. Make America less safe. We're in the middle of a big crime wave, and let's attack cops some more uh, without uh, being discerning and discriminating. Um, good law enforcement story, though, in Connecticut, they're looking to hire a $150,000 misinformation sheriff ahead of midterms. Forcing misinformation. Nice. There's fears that the misinformation is spreading and the elites are not happy in uh, the, I think Connecticut's the highest income state per capita. They want to educate the public on all matters related to the elections prior to the midterms. Copy of Governor Ned Lamont, who's a Democrat, budget contends that malicious foreign actors have demonstrated the motivation and capability of significantly disrupting election activities, thus undermining public confidence in the fairness and accuracy of, of elections. So he wants an analyst to monitor and combat uh, election misinformation on a full-time basis. How quickly do you think that's going to turn to far-right social networks and far-right news sites? And of course, far right means anyone who's to the left, I'm sorry, to the right of the New York Times opinion page. Just my guess. All right, here's an exciting one for you guys. Uh, breaking in the AP last night, voting software vulnerable in some states. And you know what software it is? Dominion voting systems. I bring this to you guys because I'm not a, 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 a I'm, I was, I'm looking at all the facts. Look at all the facts. Electronic voting machines from a leading vendor used in at least 16 states of software vulnerabilities that leave them susceptible to hacking if unaddressed. The nation's leading cybersecurity agency says an advisory sent to the state election officials. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, or CISA, said there's no evidence the flaws in the Dominion voting system requirement have been exploited to alter election results. So anyway, they got flaws and they say there's no evidence they've actually changed the results based on the flaws, but the flaws are there. So that will be interesting. I just got to bring it to your attention because a lot of you guys calling in saying Dominion's a problem. Maybe Dominion isn't that great. Maybe it's not. But uh, no evidence that they changed elections yet, but perhaps vulnerable there. Let's see where it goes. All right, a lot of scary economic numbers that I begrudgingly will report to you because they feel newsworthy. Just 13% of Americans say the economy is good and 1% say it's excellent. I would like to interview those people. Uh, Producer Greg, clear any interviews we have on the books and try to find me the 1% of people think the economy is excellent. Uh, I would like to meet those individuals. The Moody's chief economist said price gouging isn't a significant factor in high inflation. People getting the picture on that one, which is good. Janet Yellen said she was wrong about inflation, didn't fully understand the supply bottlenecks. Kind of irresponsible. No reason she should have been in the dark on this. Treasury Secretary admitted that she wasn't on top of it. Uh, most Americans are blaming Biden and not Russia for the rampant inflation include in a Convention of States Trafalgar Group poll that was released yesterday. Oh, I've got this yelling clip. Let's play this clip. Let's see what this, is, this sounds like. Let's play cut six there, Zach. Certainly, as the president says, inflation is the number one domestic economic problem facing the United States right now. But it wasn't just the president who got it wrong a year or so ago. I want to play for you what you said about inflation last year. Listen to this. 
Is there a risk of inflation? Um, I, I think there's a small risk, and I think it's manageable. Was it a mistake, Madam Secretary, to downplay this inflation risk? Did that contribute to the problems we're all seeing right now? Look, I, I think I was wrong then about um, the path that inflation um, would take. As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted uh, energy and food prices and um, supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that I didn't at the time didn't fully understand. Uh, I will say I accept your resignation, Secretary Yellen, considering you botched the biggest economic story of the last 30 or 40 years, perhaps. So uh, I guess maybe that's not true. I guess maybe the financial crisis. Well, let's say since the uh, 2009. So let's say biggest one, 13 years, you're in charge of treasury, you airballed it. Uh, we accept your resignation collectively. Thanks for your help. White House economic advisor Cecilia Rouse was no better, saying we misjudged inflation because we thought it was tied to the pandemic and we're still in the midst of the pandemic. I wish the people would have read Breitbart when we were warning about supply chain issues, saying that they were going on. Do you know how they solved the bottleneck at our ports? They just moved the, the uh, cargo ships that could not unlo unload at our ports. They moved them off the coast so without uh, beyond the horizon so that people couldn't see them sitting there and waiting. That was their solution to supply chain issues. We can't get stuff off the ports, so then what do we do? We move the ships further away. People are all irresponsible and they should all be uh, cleaned out. Drain the swamp. U.S. home prices, inflation accelerating for the fourth straight month. Uh, very scary data. And I think we're, we're looking at a, a steep, steep rise. Picking up the pace in March was the last month where data was available. I, I, there's almost nothing good to report. Gas up 45 cents over a month ago. And this is being described as perhaps the calm before the storm, because there's no sign the gas the prices are going up. I mean, are going to stop going up? I have to say, I did something yesterday that I've never done in my life. I started looking around electric cars. Never crossed my mind before. First time I ever like thought, well, maybe I should get one, because it's just getting insane. Like seven dollars a month in certain, I mean, saving seven dollars a gallon in certain places. I was looking at my bills because I want to check in on it personally. I work from our car situation, the Marlowe household right now is I work from home for the most part. And what I do have to drive somewhere, it's usually a drive, but it's it's not more than once or twice a week at the most. And right now we're borrowing a small car, family car that uh, I've been using. And then Mrs. Dr. Marlowe has a big car that runs on the premium gas and can lug all the kids. And she's got about a 15 minute commute. And I'm looking at, we're about 700 a month for our family with, with that setup. So what if you are someone who has got a couple parents who are in a state that's seen six, $7 a gallon and you both got long commutes? And what if you've long commutes because you're a working class family? Uh, then what are you spending? What are you guys spending? You're spending up to two thousand, fifteen hundred a month? What's your bill? Families can't live like this. And there's no evidence to drill and to 
expand America's own capabilities to deal with this stuff. Consumer confidence is slipping as pessimism grows and prices keep rising. Of course it is. When groceries are more expensive and gas is more expensive, and there's no sign that inflation is going to stop, of course people feel more poor. Anyone who's thinking about getting a house knows that the interest rates are going up. Housing prices are still going up, so you're going to be paying more for the house and more for your interest rate, if that's on the horizon for you. White House economic advisor, who is this one? Who's this advisor? Jared Bernstein said we should judge Biden on his efforts on inflation, not the results. Nice. Leah Thomas has blasted critics on Good Morning America saying that he doesn't need anybody's permission, whatever that means. He needs a lot of people's permission. He's a dude who's competing against chicks. Like, you need permission of whatever the organizing bodies are to get to do that. I've got some audio of this. Let's play cut three. Let's see what this sounds like. Thomas quickly became a lightning rod. 16 of her own teammates and some of their parents wrote anonymous letters arguing Thomas posed a threat to women's sports. The women who signed the letter anonymously said that they absolutely supported your right to transition, but they simply think it's unfair for you to compete against cisgendered women. You can't go halfway and be like, I support trans women and trans people, but only only to a certain point where if you support trans women as women and they've met all the all the NCA requirements, and then I don't know if you can really say something like that. Trans women are not a threat to women's sports. There is this concept of the legacy effects of testosterone and that that can't. The pause. OK, so first of all, if I played that clip for a thousand people, how many of them would think that sounds like a man? It would be at least a thousand people. I'm just noting that at least a thousand people would say that sounds like a man. Uh, and second of all, that for him just to declare that trans women are not a threat to women's sports, I don't know if that's the right approach tactically, just to be defiant like that, because uh, maybe you'd be a little more humble. Maybe you say that I'm out there, I'm living my best life, I'm just trying to do what's best for me, and hopefully uh, people will be on my side, just to flat out declare that I'm right. And basically anyone who thinks that uh, having people who have testosterone coursing through their veins and male bone and muscular structure uh, beating women in sports at record levels, that maybe that is a threat to women's sports. Maybe just entertain the idea versus being so uh, defiant about it. Um, uh, let's continue because this looks like a great question coming up. Ever be zero. Should that eliminate or disqualify transgender women? I'm not a medical expert, but there is there's a lot of variation among cis uh, female athletes. There's cis women who are very tall and very muscular and have more testosterone than another cis woman. And should that then also disqualify them? Um, I, I don't follow the logic, but I will tell you that I love the questions. There is talk of legacy effects of testosterone, meaning there is a suggestion that perhaps men with testosterone have an unfair advantage against women. All right. I don't know if that's helpful. Uh, in the UK, school children have been fed insects to encourage sustainability. So all the talk of, you know, Bill Gates wants you to eat bugs. Uh, it's really happening. 
and uh, to which I reply, those of you who have not had a teriyaki cicada, you are missing out, I will say. Sorry. Some of you must be eating breakfast. Probably probably spitting it out right now. I've never had a teriyaki cicada, for the record, for the Soros-funded freaks monitoring the show. Um, but it is happening. They were trying to get people to eat bugs. And we can't. Uh, we have a, a issues food shortage. And uh, the latest one now is popcorn, which is an interesting wrench in the movie industry, which is maybe starting to figure out that uh, the if you have non-woke movies, they're a success. I don't know if you all have heard about this, but the Top Gun movie with Tom Cruise, the latest one, the sequel, is uh, doing a bananas box office. Super duper high, biggest Tom Cruise's career. Top Gun Maverick. And it's deliberately anti-woke. I brought this up on yesterday's show. Uh, John Nolte wrote about this for Breitbart, that how it's very masculine, very pro-America. It even spits in the face of China, restoring Taiwanese and Japanese flag patches on some of the jackets, which China didn't like. So it's it's a red pill Top Gun, and it's just killing killing it at the box office. So maybe Hollywood's starting to figure it out. Not to say this will sustain itself. It's put out by Paramount, which I look into it. Paramount's owned by CBS Viacom, which of course loves to do business in China, but probably needs it less than NBC, and which is uh, Universal and ABC, which is Disney. So maybe there's a glimmer of hope there, maybe. Though I'm not holding my breath. I'm just hoping it is. Um, But the cinemas are now fearing that a popcorn shortage, another supply chain issue, which they're referring to as a mess, could also uh, slow down people at the box office. I have to say, I went to a movie a couple of weeks ago, and I'm in the phase of my life where I'm going like one or two a year, and I got the popcorn, it was great. Absolutely delicious. Throws off your calorie counting for the day, but uh, it's worth it. Uh, I got another culture one. Korean pops and stations, BTS, went to the White House to stop Asian hate. Uh, Frances Martel has a super interesting take on BTS and their success. She's our world editor and tracks this for us. But uh, she thinks that they had a lot of organic success and they broke through in the U.S. because they're very well coached in terms of media. They're safe, manageable. And uh, they are, again, super woke, sexually explicit, drug-heavy music that is very popular. And so they're actually kind of a more wholesome alternative. So uh, she's, she's supportive BTS. So, so we do some BTS coverage at Breitbart. This is a five Korean young men. This is a, if those of you who aren't familiar with this, it's the most popular band in the world. And uh, it's interesting because they did a Stop Asian Hate Summit with Biden. Uh, no discussion of the main cause of Asian hate which is criminals in our inner cities. And are you sitting down? Not all of them are uh, white people. And white liberals, in my opinion, in the upper echelons of the ivory towers, academia, who discriminate against Asians openly because they think they're taking too many slots in our colleges. So those are the two vectors of Asian hate. Criminals in inner city, largely not white, and white liberals. Uh, neither, neither of those came up in the Asian hate discussion, I must say. Uh, speaking of, Chicago is going to implement race-based grading system. A, uh, they're going to implement a, a system that will, in, uh, that will dismiss traditional grading practices that, because they perpetuate inequities. 
and they're going to adjust the grading skills to account for skin color and ethnicity in students. That'll help. No doubt that will help. Um, last one for now, breaking in the New York Times late yesterday is Biden uh, put out a big uh, a big column. I've not gone through it that closely, uh, but apparently the long and short of it is he's going to be sending advanced rocket systems to Ukraine, trying to change the subject a little bit, thus I intentionally mentioned at the end of the opening. Though uh, we'll see if this is seen as a big escalation from Russia, but Russia is having a hard time beating Ukraine in a border dispute that they initiated. So I admit I'm not uh, quite as keyed up on that narrative yet, but uh, Biden's trying to change the narrative with that and uh, no doubt it will cost a lot of your money in order to do that. And probably somewhat good cause, but obviously a lot of money that is not uh, spent resolving America's problems. So resolving the border dispute with Ukraine and Russia. So that is high priority for the Big Joey administration. Amanda Milius on because I most importantly wanted to get her thoughts on the new Top Gun movie, which seems like it is very anti-woke. I've not had a chance to see it, and it is now we're learning it's kind of pro-Taiwan and pro-Japan, which is thumbing their nose at Red China, and it looks like it's on pace to be the biggest Tom Cruise movie ever. It was the biggest Memorial Day movie ever, and Tom Cruise it could potentially make $100 million on it. This would be the first time an actor has ever done that, as far as we know. In all this, we think largely because you've got a masculine, pro-American, fun movie that is devoid of the woke politics that have infected so much of our uh, space. Not just a, the not just that, but also the China pandering as well. So I wanted to have her on talk about that, and we do. But we also have a prolonged discussion of Durham and Sussman and uh, what the acquittal of the Russia hoaxer means, because Amanda's movie is largely about this stuff, the plot against the president, which I recommend to all of you. And uh, we will also talk about guns. She comes from a second, a pro Second Amendment household, to say the least, and get her thoughts on the war on guns taking place. All that to come in the interview. Let's roll it. Amanda, what's the handle on your uh, Instagram? It's at Amanda underscore million. There you go. You got to throw that underscore in there. I almost missed it. You want to you uh, do it because that's where all the pictures go. And everybody on Twitter is like, why don't we see more pictures from Can? And I'm like, well, because they're on Instagram. <laughs> so so. I, I have a ton to get to with you. I'm talking about Can. I want to talk about Top Gun. Uh, but I got to ask you about uh, if you had a reaction to Michael Sussman getting acquitted. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a pretty not surprising, but wildly disappointing to me, but I want your take. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on again, uh, to talk about such uplifting and, um, <laughs> wonderful news. I mean, look, I've been going around like, not like anybody cares, but I mean, I guess they do because. Vanity Fair put that massive article out where I'm pretty much only quoted as either talking about my clothes, how to get into parties, or the fact that I'm so blackpilled on the state of the Justice Department and all of our uh, American institutions that that's the only way I can think of describing it, you know, being a child of the Internet as I am. Um, and this is why, you know, uh, it's because 
obviously it's not a surprise. Oh, DC didn't indict itself, like or didn't didn't uh, 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 consider itself guilty. Like, no kidding. Like, I'm I'm not surprised. I don't think anybody's surprised. However, I mean, it's just if this is what it takes for more people to understand what I'm saying when I say that there is no more time or uh, space for whatever your personal pet political issues are, as much as they seem immediate now, as much as I care about my personal pet, everybody's got their personal pet political issues. Mine is immigration. Close second is uh, the Second Amendment. You know, that's how I was raised. Um, and everybody's got them, whether it's like, you know, um, your, your, your particular issue that is close to your heart, whether that's a pro-life thing or um, whatever it is. None of that matters because our institutions are, are fake and broken and are not, we are not living in the country that we tell ourselves we're living in. I mean, we're still, we still walk around and I still hear lawyer friends of mine uh, which I am friends with lawyers, if you can imagine. Um, uh, some of them are some of my best friends. Um, some of my best friends are lawyers. Um, uh, but like, still people refer to the Constitution as though it's this thing that everyone's abiding by when only half the country actually is. And the Constitution, if it is not the foundation of our law and of uh, uh, our institutions, is worth less than the paper that it's written on. We're not in your parents' America anymore. Like, they don't care. The other side doesn't care. You can, you can point to the law all you want. They're like, cool, we're going to acquit this guy. Like, whatever. Like, he just, everything about our institutions are totally fake and performative. Nothing is real until we fix this. Yeah, I agree with that. And there's a lot of things we need to do to fix it. I mean, the fact that we have a scenario where you have a, a Hillary Clinton associate on trial and there's three of the jurors or Hillary Clinton donors and the person and those appointed are the three the that judge, we know of. I'm gonna go yeah, ahead that we and know say of they right. are like 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 let's be honest. I mean some people don't some people don't donate in the same way. Some people donate their time. Some people donate through other mechanisms. Um if when I, you know, thankfully I've moved farther out into Virginia, but when I was living in D.C., I mean, we all know that D.C., the, the, the residents of Washington, D.C. and the nearby uh, towns are who fill those, all of those offices, from the State Department to Ag to um, Energy to the DOJ, and they went 98% for Hillary in 2016. So what is it? I mean, like what? Like we know this. We know this. And then you're going to have right. a DC jury uh, uh, look at the Sussman case or uh, be be the jury of the Sussman case. It's ridiculous. Um, the best write up on it, I have to give shout outs as we all do, is obviously to um, Technofog on Twitter, who has a Substack, who breaks has been breaking this down for five years. Um, and if you're, you know, not not one for reading through a Substack, just watch Plot Against the President again. I mean, it's literally the 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 thing that's amazing about it is the the clip where we talk about how the left puts fake news into the FBI to then 
spit it out into the Washington Post, who then spits it back into the FBI to give the fake story more credibility. And then the Washington Post reports on that to give it even more credibility. And it's just this credibility manufacturing machine. Um, we literally outline that in in less than three minutes in a chart. So it's like, I mean, in a in a moving graphic, if you don't get it by now, you know, that's that's not that's on you. Like there's there's you know, there's there's a lot of information out there that explains how this works. It's so obvious at this point that I can't even believe people can't believe that that's the result. Yeah. So so but this is this is uh, something that I wanted to bounce off you because you're not just informative on this. You've been sort of white pilled on Durham uh, and as right. is Cash Patel, who's a regular on the show, as is Devin Nunes, who's a regular on the show. Some of my favorite people in right wing Washington have all been telling me to keep my head up about Durham, which I went from being the original OG mocking Durham for not getting the job done to being semi convinced that maybe something good could happen. And then the Sussman verdict comes down. I was like, well, Oh yeah, not, of course. I mean, that's not Durham. I mean, at least the dude brought a case. I he mean, brought a that's great case. He to, brought a great case. Right. That's what we have to go through to just get a case. I mean, that's how dark it is. So like when I say yeah. I am listening to these guys who are wiser than I am and and, and I suppose you could call that me being white pilled on Durham. I'd say gray pilled, but like, <laughs> um, but, but we've got to look at something. And I mean, who else is there? The president sure. of the, the ex president Trump is, is, you know, bless him, but he's tweeting with, I don't know what true thing, his responses on truth, which is great. Everyone should be on truth. It's the only place you can tell the truth. Um, but you're like, sure, we were in office for four years. Like there were people sending memos right and left being like, hey, there's something really wrong with our institutions. And the people who you put in charge of them have a really big effect on what we may or may not be able to save and what we ought to assume are the only four years that the system made a slight miscalculation and thus we were able to win. Like, it, it, I, I love the president. Again, I'm a Kool-Aid drinker. I am, I, am, I, am the, I am a gulper of the Trump Kool-Aid, okay? I will always be that way. It's the same reason I still show up at my dad's house even when he is like a complete nutcase and throws a pen at my head. I don't care. It's fine. Maybe there's something wrong with me. But the point is, is like, Dude, we were in like you, you're not going to solve it now. Like now we were in a worse case than we were before Trump won, because now they're like, oh, crap. You know, the country can strike back like, oh, no, we don't have complete control. What do right. we need to do to ensure we do have complete control? It's almost worse, you know. So so to me, it's not, you know, what, what else is Durham going to do? He presents the case because it's like he's playing by the rules. Like what else? can he do um sure but I, but but this is durham durham faster. as the individual durham as the individual deserves of course a, a great deal well, well that the, yeah. the, he is a representative of a system that is not uh, anywhere right. close to he's, being fixable he's the, the ultimate he's the old i mean in a sense yeah like durham is your grandfather's uh uh, special counsel, um, <laughs> right. and we're not we're not living in that time anymore. That's so, right. 
Look, I have That's what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is, is there... Is there a point? And you and I are in the information business and the storytelling business, and we, of course, are going to keep trying to get all the truth and and paint a compelling picture and narrative around the truth. That's what we're going to do. But ultimately, it would be nice if the institutions could have our back every once in a while uh, when the truth comes out that something is done and not this. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's better if people needed to see this. Maybe they need to understand because otherwise, they're going to keep going around saying things like, "I still run into like normal people who are like, well, then we can bring a case." And you're like, okay. to who? Who are you bringing your case to? The corrupt Justice Department? The corrupt the corrupt legal system? The corrupt everything? Like, what is your big case going to do? Like, they're, they're going after, they're indicting at breakneck speed anyone who has had anything to do with helping the president get elected, whether that's via funding, which is a very big deal, by the way. And I love that the left acts like the right has all the funding. I mean, I still... I, I still think that's just the most hilarious thing when you've got like every billionaire in the world is on the left and then people freak out. They literally freak out over the existence of of people like Peter Thiel or, or Elon Musk even having somewhat sane musings on Twitter. Uh, the left is just like, oh, my God, it's the fascists, it's the billionaires. And you're like, OK, there's two guys basically who are kind of like contemplating something of some sanity, like relax. Um, but, uh, so, so, but anyways, yeah, it's, 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 if this is what it takes for people to understand something I've been saying for since the very beginning, which is that the courts are not going to save you. The court of public opinion is a different, is a much more powerful court than, than, than any kind of courtroom you're going to walk into right now. Okay. Let, let me, um, you brought up the second amendment a little bit. Um, your dad, John Milius, who is Hollywood royalty is also a huge gun guy. So, uh, it is, he is a the well-known... second amendment personified. Yeah, he, he truly is. And so, uh, the second <laughs> amendment's under, uh, under attack right now. Um, and, uh, we're being told that we need to do all well, yeah, these. They had to, because they have, they have to do it because like what they they've got so many issues. And the gun thing has always been one of the left's favorite issues because it's one of the only things, literally it is one of the only things America has left, has left that, that that's like a shred of our Constitution is the Second Amendment. And, I mean, look, I've got my – everybody's got issues with uh, the NRA and certain things that have occurred in recent years that have made it less powerful – you know, and I'll remind you, there's one thing the right does not have and is not good at, and that's institutions of power. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the NRA was, for a very long time, the largest and loudest institution of power that the right had. And it's been basically made totally mute and, and ineffectual. And so, you know, you look at other things, people are like, oh, why... You know, look at look at. Like, yes, there's problems with CPAC, but it's an institution of the right. We don't have that many. It's the reason I go to, obviously, things like uh, NATCON, the National Conservatism Conference, and things like that. Like the right needs institutions. Um, because let me explain this to you. You're not going to be able to solve the problems of our country by yourself uh, with like your three neighbors. Like it's just. We need bigger ones. Uh, but anyways, but yes, yeah, so there's other there's other um, Second Amendment groups, for example, in, in California, where they've actually weirdly had more wins on the side of the Second Amendment than most other states. 
And that comes down to these smaller state-oriented groups. Um, I'm obviously partial to San Diego um, gun owners, uh, which also has, you know, Los Angeles gun owners, San Bernardino gun owners. It's like they've got they've got it county by county. Um, we did a we did a screening with them, and they were very kind to us. And I'm, you know, I go on their radio show sometimes. I really like them, obviously, so I'm partial to them. But they have had wins. They've had wins in California. If you can have wins in California that 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 result in California courts saying no. Your ban on certain, as they call them, uh, assault weapons, whatever that means, um, is unconstitutional. Great. We need more of that. Like, 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 put your money there. Don't put it places where it doesn't do anything. When's the last time the RNC did anything of any, any value except, um, you know, basically celebrate when Trump lost in 2022 uh, and 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 leave the leave the party early from what I saw in Nevada. Um, but but then you've got these smaller groups. And I think it's up to the individual. If you want your dollar to count, you got to look into who you're funding. And there's some of these groups really are making a difference, which is which is in California, of all places, which is amazing. All right, I want to change gears hard because um, I've got a fair bit of time left, but I want to make sure we get some time to talk about culture, uh, which you're a very astute observer of the culture. And yeah, there's a phenomenon right now. Yeah, we want to talk about Hollywood. That's what we want to really do. I want to get into it. I want to get into yeah, Hollywood. This is, a, this, is, this is what made Breitbart Breitbart. Is the, it the always still impo- sucks. Uh, always prioritizing the most important things like Top Gun. Um, Top yes, Gun is... Top Gun is... is Yes. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but everyone likes it. You've seen it. So tell me about the movie I've first, and I want to talk about okay. the phenomenon. I won't do spoilers. You can do spoilers. We, we don't well, believe there's in spoilers. Like, okay, the, okay, one thing I will say is the plot is so convoluted that like you kind of almost can't do spoilers because like, <laughs> that, like I'm looking at this more as like a bigger picture thing. This movie is a good sign because... Okay, there's a little bit of the wokeness and the this and the that that you would expect, like, and and you actually remember in the original Top Gun, you know, it was like a female. Uh, I, I I haven't seen it. I tried not to watch it again uh, until I saw the new one. But like, and I, it's a long time memory. But it was like it's like a female. Like she like judges their flying ability, and she's like super hot. And you're like, well, at least she was hot. Like that's cool. But, um, they, you know, of course, yeah, there's a little bit of wokeness where it's just like, oh, the conveniently multicultural flight team is, uh, you'll choose the best out of you. You're like, oh, how, how incredible. There's one of everybody. Um, but, uh, but, but besides all that, the message in general, and I think this really comes down to Tom Cruise, because Tom Cruise is American. <laughs> Tom Cruise is, I have been claiming for the longest time and a couple other people have too. Um, um, what's his name? What's my other Tom Cruise buddy who's got crazy on Twitter for Tom Cruise who I talk, oh, damn it. He's going to be so mad at me. for my, it's, I'm just blanking. Sorry. My brain is scrambled, but, um, but listen, Tom Cruise is the best actor alive because nobody notices that he's acting. And that is the key. He has crossed over long ago from acting to being. And that is the point. Any, like like modern acting theory will tell you that. And so some people will be like, no, it's Daniel Day-Lewis. And you're like, I love Daniel Day-Lewis. I love, I really do. I love his movies. I love him. I mean, the man is an incredible actor, but he is acting. 
Tom Cruise will is so smooth and so himself that he will take the dumbest roles and attack them with the ferocity that they will bring him an Oscar. He I, he doesn't care. Like he's bringing cocktail. The, the 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 hardcore like he's bringing everything in his soul to like the goofiest movies like like ever where most people would be like phoning it in like the guy is so awesome and so in top gun he's so americana that you want him to win and by wanting him to win you want america to win there's a couple of weird things about it like i said i'm not going to like give you any spoilers because the plot is so besides the point that like it literally just like no one like i i i i dare anyone to tell me the plot in fact i have an open (laughs) question for anyone who watches the new top gun who is the enemy who what country are we fighting can someone tell me because what i think they did which i think is 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 curious and interesting if you remember they, they redid my dad's movie red dawn uh in 2012 and they ran into a lot of problems because you know, when they were making the movie, I think, you know, it takes many years to make a movie of that size. They don't know what the geopolitical world is going to be like when they put it out. So what they ended up having to do, as we all know and talk about, is they changed it from China as the enemy to North Korea, which is just, like, stupid, but whatever. Um, and the movie was horrific and no one cares about it. We don't refer to it in my family. But um, <laughs> but but I think what I'm con- I'm convinced that what they did to get around that is they made some type of amalgamation of every enemy that we sort of have so that, like, you can't really point to one or the like either. I am just totally dumb and I missed it, but I don't think they ever say the name of the country. And I there, there's so many little if you're. Now that I've sadly become a, a, a wee bit of a nat, uh, national security wonk um, that interrupts my ability to just turn my brain off and watch the Tom Cruise movie, I'm like, wait, they're enriching uranium, but it's in a snowy mountain, and there's a, wait, why are they using old Soviet weapons? And like, who leaves it? Like, there's little things like that where I'm just like, huh? Like, what country is that? Like, what do you, there is that. So I honestly think they made up an enemy like, we're always at war with Eurasia, which is a little bit nutty and propagandistic, but, like, that's what, Tom, that's what Top Gun is. Like, it's kind of, like, it still feels good, though. It's like, well, the first time I've walked out of a theater in so long and been like, yes, America. And you know why? It's, I, I truly think a lot of it has to do with Tom Cruise and his character being this older generation, like, like you know, it's, it's okay, he's, He's not a drone guy. He's not sitting there with his thumbs droning children out of the sky. He he has to. They have to actually embody the old Top Gun spirit, which is it's the pilot, it's not the machine, it's his heart, which is what made America great in the first place. That was always our our kind of shtick um, and our message in great American war movies was the reason we're the best is not is not just because of might. It's because of our heart. It's because we're correct, we're right, we're on the right side, and and we care about our people. We don't leave anybody behind. It's like, it's like, it's like it was the. It, uh, it, I think it's a great sign because I'm looking for anything. Okay, so some people can hear this and be like, "Damn, she really took a lot out of that." That like, you know, dude, it's you know, hold, hold your horses there. But like, so we're looking at this in the in the in the marketplace of the bleakest 
era of film we've ever seen. So to see something like this come out, uh, you know, and be that pro-American and just like, you know, it, it does have heart. And I got to give it that. And the fact that it premiered at Cannes and, and, and there was this really cool thing that happened. To, I happened to be lucky enough to go to Cannes this year. And there ha- they did this cool thing where they, they had, it was the first night of Cannes. So they had this, you know, what they do where they have this giant fireworks display. But before that, when the movie began, they had um, what I must assume are the French Blue Angels, because I would assume they didn't fly hours over for a movie premiere, because I thought we were supposed to be in a war, but whatever. Um, but they flew, you know, the jets, they buzzed the beach with this red, white, and blue um, smoke, which also is the, you know, it's both American colors and French, so I'm assuming it was for Top Gun, because that was the movie it was for, but, you know, it was convenient that it was also in French. And the one thing I'll tell you, which is hilarious, is there was this Hollywood Reporter article that came out the next day that was like, it was like the tale of two cans. Like, cause like, like can was like obsessed with Ukraine the entire time. It was like, you would think that Ukraine had been making like the heart of European cinema for like centuries or something. It was just completely bizarro. Um, but anyways, besides that, so they, they buzzed the beach. It was very cool. It was like the coolest thing I've seen in a film festival pro- probably ever. Like, cool things don't really happen at film festivals, let me tell you. Um, but um, but anyway, and Peter, so the Hollywood Reporter is writing this story, and they're like, they're like, some people heard the rumbling, and they dove under tables. And it just reminded us, as we were sipping our rosé on the beach, that, you know, things are not, like, going as well as they are here everywhere. And I read that, and I so badly wanted to find that writer and be, like, photos or it didn't happen. I mean, seriously, I'll take things that never happened for 500, Alex. I'm sorry. I was at Cannes. Nobody was diving under tables because they thought Russia was bombing Cannes. Like, you're out of your freaking mind. Like, enough. Like that was that was absurd, but anyway, that's my little my little inside. So, so what 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 brought you out there, Amanda? And what else did you see? Well, I can't really tell you what brought me out there because uh, it's classified. Um, and um, but which is my answer for everything? I don't want to say. Uh, you know, sources and methods. We've got to protect sources and methods. Um, Um, but I had a great time. I mean, I was disappointed in the fact that, look, I, I've had a no film festival rule since I left the film industry before I joined the Trump administration, because I had gone to 40 of them, uh, with my student film, if you can believe it. Obviously they were not, I wasn't going to Cannes. I was going to like, you know, Bucky's backyard film festival. I mean, I was going to better ones than that, but it wasn't like, it wasn't, I wasn't going, I've been banned from Sundance since I was 21, so I was definitely not going to Sundance. But, you know, either way, the thing that kind of bugs me about it is it's like every single country is making the same movie. Like, they're making, like, every country is making the same movie. Like, there's a refugee movie, and then there's, like, a movie about, like, a minority family who's, like, up and coming. And then, like, like every movie is doing the America thing, where they're, I mean, every country is doing the America thing, which I was very disappointed to find, is that every country is basically saying, we suck. They're all putting out bad propaganda. They're all basically going, like, this is why we're a racist country, too. And that's why America, what we put out, has an effect. It has a huge effect on the world of cinema. 
So uh, Amanda Milius, the plot against the president. It, that's well, 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 we'll come back when you can tell me uh, what you're doing at can, because I'm looking forward to hearing the answer to that question <laughs> eventually. But uh, the plot against the president is the movie at Amanda Milius on Twitter, Amanda underscore Milius on Instagram, P A T P for patp.com is that the website for the, no, for the movie uh, so it's patp movie everything that's our handle on twitter instagram and most importantly the okay. website patpmovie.com where you can see it on amazon itunes salem rockfin um youtube premium there is no excuse get educated on russiagate because everything is in there i mean that's the other funny thing I'm two years ahead of the Wall Street Journal. Where's my award? Where's my, like, what, like, what, they're yeah. just realizing that this happened? Anyway, we can talk about this all day. Yeah, no, and you're right on this, and I've given you a lot of credit, and I will continue to give you credit, because you not only nailed well, the story, but you, you made it entertaining for people. That is very kind. Well, I thank, thank you. you. Amanda, thanks for joining, as always. Okay, bye. All right, thanks a lot to producers Zach and Greg Eben and Robert Marlowe, who helps us pick topics, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Hooray.